Well, praise the Lord. This is Pastor Jerry bringing you the Word of God. Again, it is always an honor, always a privilege. So grateful that you're connecting with us. Once again, we're going to jump right back into Romans 8. Romans 8, verses 5, 6, and 7, please. Hallelujah. Romans 8. And of course, we have been talking about the law of the mind. And uh, today, we're going to kind of bring out some more of this. And so verse 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh. In other words, their life, their actions, behavior, everything that comes uh, as a result of it, they live according to the flesh. The reason being is because they set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind or the fleshly mind, right, earthly mind, is enmity or fights against, it's enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be, all right? Of course, we've been looking at that over the last few weeks here. Verse 5 again, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. We've been talking about a set mind, a mind. The law of the mind actually is mentioned, the word itself, as far as the law of the mind, is mentioned in chapter 7 in verse 23. And it refers to uh, where your attention is, there's direction. In other words, attention determines direction. Wherever you, you're looking this way, looking that way, looking to the flesh, looking to the spirit determines how you're going to live. It determines your direction of life. All right. And that's exactly what we've been bringing out the last few weeks. So anyway, what does it mean to set the mind? To word, the word to set the mind means to aim one's affections or attention on. All right. Hallelujah. It means to exercise, to entertain or to interest the mind, and also uses the uh, in this definition the word mindful, which is something we focused a little bit more on last week out of uh, Matthew. And so, to set the mind, amen, to aim one's attention. In fact, the same uh, references or same uh, word is used in Colossians three, and verse two, and it just says, "Set your mind." on things above and not on things of this earth, praise God. Now, the reason being is because when you set your mind on higher things, the God things, the God thoughts, praise God, obviously it directs you to live according to the Spirit. But when you set your mind just on earthly things, natural things, in fact, that's what it's referring to here in Romans 8. When it talks about according to the flesh, it's referring to natural things. Hey, right, more things here on this earth versus the things of a higher or the heavenly realm, we could say, amen. Now, let's define that again. When it says according to the flesh, uh, it, it means human nature, okay, uh, is its first definition. Now, I want you to hear this because a lot of times when we hear the word flesh, especially when you're kind of talking about, uh, you know, like the works of the flesh, for instance, out of uh, Galatians 5, okay, it mentions all kinds of worldly, fleshly, immoral things, all right? So a lot of times when you hear the word flesh, you instantly go there thinking that's what it's referring to here, uh, that you're going to set your mind on worldly things, thus you're going to end up living worldly, which obviously fits, but what it's primarily talking about, okay, is the human nature. In other words, amen, not just about moral depravity, corruptness, or immorality, but its tendencies. I want you to hear this because this is really what's going to come out today. It's tendencies to lean on its own strength, 
power or natural ability. And that's primarily what he's dealing with here in Romans 7 and 8 here, okay? Okay, in both chapter 7 and, both ch and, and chapter 8. All right. Now, the purpose of bringing that out is because, obviously, if, you know, we're living based on our own strengths, our own abilities, our own, uh, you know, our own fleshly, uh, you know, you know, you know, the way we move forward and drive, if everything's just about here on this level, then we're going to live according to it. You're going to do everything you can to somehow meet a need, somehow take care of this, take care of that, which means now you're going to live according to that, okay? You're, you're now trying to meet your own needs instead of leaning on God. You're now trying to fix everything instead of letting God lead you through it, praise God. See, the more you get your attention set on higher things, the more apt He is to lead you, guide you, and direct you to where now you've operate in a more of a, a successful way. Let's just put it there and leave it at that. Amen. Now, to live according to the Spirit, okay, it refers to the God nature, whereas according to the flesh, human nature. Now, according to the Spirit, the God nature, all right? In other words, divine nature, or it also refers to the air, the wind, or the breath of God, all right? So, uh, you know, living according to God breathing into you from day to day. Amen. The wind of the Spirit, so to speak. Amen. Now directing, guiding, leading. Amen. Where it's now according to His strength and not according to yours. According to His ability, not according to yours. All right. So anyway, enough said about that. Now, what we've been finding out through all of this is that where you set your mind determines how you're going to navigate through life. Whether you're going to end up on the road of, of death, ruin, destruction, or whether you're going to end up on the road of life and peace. And that means absolute life, okay, the life of God, the abundant life, Jesus referred to it as, amen, and peace referring to something whole or complete. It means literally brought back uh, to one, uh, which means everything coming back into a divine order. It means a, a divine order over all the chaos, all right, when you kind of really break it down. Of course, we spent some time on that, I think, on the first week we, we opened this up. But the bottom line is this, okay, when you live according to the, you know, you're always got your mind set on things below here, you're going to live according to it, which now all of a sudden you're opening the door for chaos, you're opening the door for ruin, destruction, uh, you know, in the end, ultimately death. I mean, that's, that's what one of the words it uses here. All right, so I don't want to live by that. You don't want to live by that. I'd rather live, uh, you know, on that road of life and peace, praise God. Well, that means I'm going to have to set my mind on higher things. Anytime I set my mind on lower things, I'm automatically warring with God. God's trying to lead. God's trying to direct. God's trying to help. God's trying to somehow move, uh, you know, into the picture here to help you along, amen, to live this life you're called to live, praise God. And what happens is you start now just setting your mind down here. Now you start trying to fix everything. You start trying to, you know, take care of everything. And through your own reasoning, your own assumptions and all that kind of stuff. And it's not like once in a while you might hit the mark. You might be right about something. But I found that most of the time we don't hit the mark in our own uh, reasonings and our own assumptions. Most of the time uh, we come up a little short. Uh, but if we will just put our mind on things above, we're more apt to be led by the breath of God, by the Spirit of God. Amen. Let's do this now. We're going to go back to Proverbs 23. Um, it is a reference we used a little bit last week. And I'm going to kind of use this now to spin off for what we're going to do this week. So Proverbs 23, please. Child of God, I hope you have an ear to hear today. Praise the Lord. All right, Proverbs 23, uh, verse 6 and 7, okay. 
<clears throat> and it just says this, do not eat the bread of a miser. Okay, it just means, literally means a manipulator. It's a word that means in evil eye or evil intention. Okay, okay so that's, he's referring to somebody that's a manipulator here in context, all right? Do not eat the bread of a miser nor desire his delicacies. Okay, in other words, don't, don't have an appetite after the same thing. Uh, means uh, don't go after uh, the same pleasures, greed, that kind of a thing. For it says, as he thinks, okay, this miser, this manipulator, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. In other words, he's just going to do whatever he needs to do uh, to manipulate you. Why? Because as he thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, he thinks in his heart that he has to manipulate you to get anywhere. Okay, so as he thinks in his heart, so he exists or so he becomes or so he is. Okay, that's what it refers to. So now he begins to live according to that. Why? Based on how he thinks in himself. Okay, how he thinks in his heart or in himself or within himself. That's what that refers to. All right, so the bottom line is, okay, this obviously is a negative uh, side of things, showing you how this guy thinks. But see, the same thing holds true for anybody. Okay, as one thinks in his heart, so he becomes. Another way of maybe saying this is, as a man... Uh, A man will live according to his most predominant thoughts, okay? Kind of keep that in mind, okay? So as a man, you know, know, as he thinks, so he becomes. His most predominant thoughts are going to determine the direction that he goes. Remember, the law of the mind, attention determines direction, all right? Where you give your attention to, your most predominant thoughts is the direction you're going to head toward. All right, hang on to that. All right, this word thinks now in this... Reference. This is why it's important here. As a man thinks in his heart. It means to estimate or think, obviously, but it literally means to split or to open a door or a gate. It means to act as a gatekeeper. So he's trying to really bring out in this text to understand that the individual that's being discussed, okay, has opened the door to that, okay? The reason they think the way they think is because that's what they open the door to. That's what they set their mind on. That's what it's saying here. Same thing it would say there in Romans 8. Or Colossians 3. Where you set your mind determines how you're going to live. All right? Determines how you're going to think. Determines how you're going to act. Determines how you're going to go down that road and which road you're going to be on. All right? That's what it does. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is or so is he. So he exists, it means, or so he becomes. All right? In other words, again, it's saying the same thing. We live according to where we set our mind. We live according to the mindsets. We live according to our most predominant thoughts. What we're mindful of, as we brought out last week, is going to determine how you're going to live, all right? Now, get this. I've made a few statements of this over the last uh, couple weeks, but as one's thoughts go, so goes one's life. Hang on to that. Mindsets, amen. This is, I think, what I closed with last week. Mindsets, or where we set our mind, will either lock us to limits. Come on now, either lock us to limits or free us to fulfill. Okay, that's just the facts. That's why when you set your mind on things above, it's now freeing you to become all that God's called you to be. Amen. Now, you may not see it at the moment. Now, hang on to this. You may not see it at the moment, but if you stay with it, keep your mind set on things above, now you're giving God room to do something in your life. Well, now we'll free you to fulfill whatever it is you're called to fulfill. But when we set our mind down here, it, lock, it locks us down into limits. Puts us behind walls of containment. All right, that's what happens. 
the realm of this natural earthly realm is a realm of limits. It operates out of limits. Its whole language is a language of limits. Whereas the unseen, uh, the heavenly realms is about, uh, you know, it's about no limits, okay? It's about being free. It's about being whole. It's about nothing locking you down, praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. You're, the Word of God itself is, is a language of potential, so we could say, okay? Where everything in here shows you there's potential to be and fulfill all that you're called to be and fulfill. Now, hang on to all of that. Now, with all of that said, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 3, please. Exodus 3. Kind of jump right in here. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about, you know, uh, several different uh, characters out of the Word of God. Um, primarily out of the Old Covenant is what I'm going to stick with today a little bit. Just because the Word says that everything that happened to them uh, is, is, was for our, uh, for our example, to, uh, for our admonition or instruction. In fact, it says that out of 1 Corinthians 10, 11 is the reference for that. And basically lets you know that everything that happened to them in the Old Covenant is something we can learn from. Well, that's what we're going to do today. Chapter 3 is talking about Moses. And we're going to look at verse 10. Now, again, I'm just going to kind of uh, just read what I have to read because otherwise I'm not going to get very far today. Okay, so verse 10, it says, Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh. Now, this is, the, this is the Father talking. This is God talking to Moses, okay, at the burning bush here, okay? All right. It says, Now, come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Okay? But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Okay? So he said, I will certainly be with you. This is what God said to him. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the, the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Okay. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to, the, uh, come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of our fathers has sent me to you, they, uh, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? In verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. Hallelujah. I am has sent me to you. There we go. Hallelujah. So what we see here is who am I meets who I am. Okay, now it's just maybe just a little play on words here, but I'm trying to make a point here. Okay, so I am is sending somebody right now, amen, that doesn't really know who he is. Are you getting this? Okay. So his thought is, in verse 11, he says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Now, we know God said he's, he's the deliverer. He's sending him to do it. And obviously, it's exactly what happened. Okay, we, are, we, you know, we might have had a few little glitches here and there. But for the most part, Moses fulfilled what he had to fulfill. All right, most, For the most part, he went in there as a deliverer, got the children of Israel out of Egypt. Amen. Of course, they ended up in the wilderness. And, uh, you know, of course, with that first generation, you know, a lot said there. But then Joshua comes along, takes that second generation in to take the promised land. All right. Now, anyway, the point is this, is right here we see a man that doesn't really know who he is. Okay. Based on thoughts. Are you hearing me? Okay. So in a sense, he's kind of small-minded right now, feeling maybe a little bit inadequate, uh, maybe some insecurity, feeling incomplete, we could say, uh, and mostly because... What he's doing, and this is what you're going to see across the board here today, 
It's based on how he views himself. Okay? His mind, his mindset is the fact that he's he's not able, he's not capable. Okay? Uh, he has inabilities. He's more focused on his inabilities than what God has said about him. I just want you to hear this because this is, a, this is what happens most of the time. Okay, we have our mind set more on this natural realm. We're looking at ourselves thinking, you know, there's no way I could do this, no way I can be that, uh, no way this can happen through me or in my life or my family or based on my background, based on uh, my education, based on my financial status. But we, we have all kinds of reasonings and assumptions that sometimes uh, is what locks us down to not fulfill what we're called to fulfill. Now, obviously, Moses was able to do what God said he was able to do, all right? But it took a little while for him to get it, all right? And that's my point. Up to this point, he sees himself as insignificant. He sees himself as inadequate, sees himself as incomplete, all right? All right. Now, in fact, the word inadequate means not equal to purpose, all right? Insufficient to affect, inept, incapable, incompetent, okay, is what that word inadequate means. And that's exactly how Moses was seeing himself, okay? Now, listen, if you think that you're inadequate, you're going to act inadequate because as one's thoughts go, so goes one's life. As one, uh, they will base their walk based on their most predominant thoughts. Where they set their minds, their mindsets, what they're mindful of will determine how they live and how they walk. And if you feel inadequate, you're going to act inadequate. If you feel insecure, you're going to act insecure. It's just the facts, all right? So you're going to have to focus more on what he has to say and not what you, your own you know, natural realm here, you know, basing yourself, everything just off that, all right? Hallelujah. I had a couple little things here. Uh, many suffer from a thing called spiritual AIDS. Okay, now, of course, AIDS... Uh, you know, it's a natural disease, obviously, but spiritual AIDS would be an identity deficiency syndrome, all right? And many people have that. They don't know who they are. They don't focus enough on what God says about them. So what happens is it's always based on how they view themselves. In other words, their mind, their most predominant thoughts may be, I'm inadequate. I'm incomplete. I'm not able. I'm inept. I cannot do this, all right? And so most people, that's where they are. So what happens now, it locks them down to limits, so now you're limited because you've set your mind based on a natural realm, natural reasoning, natural assumptions. And so here you are, your mind's set down here, and as a result of it, you're locked down to limits. Hang on to this, all right? Many times it's a thing called paralysis of self-analysis. Now, it's kind of a little funny thing, but that's, that's basically what it is, a paralysis of self-analysis. You sit here and look at your own self. Instead of what God thinks about you, you're seeing how you think about you, and now you literally step into a place of paralysis. In other words, it locks you down. You don't go anywhere. You don't do anything, all because of how you see yourself instead of seeing, you, seeing yourself as God sees you. Now, the only way that's going to happen is you're going to have to set your mind on things above what he says about you. God said he's a deliverer. He's going to go in. He's going to, he's going to deliver his people. Amen. Guess what? When he moved forward, that's exactly what he did. Years ago, I heard a statement. It kind of fits here, I guess. But a big shot is nothing but a little shot that just kept shooting. <laughs> and so, you know, we see that kind of in Moses' life. Amen. God called him a big shot. He saw himself as a little shot. But he did keep moving. He kept moving forward. And guess what? He became what God called him to be. Praise God. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Let's look at another one here. Let's go to the book of Numbers now. And we'll go to chapter 13. Now, what's going on in context is uh, the 12 spies, the 12 leaders of the 12 tribes. Uh, one was picked from every tribe to go in and spy out the promised land. Okay, obviously this is some time later. But so they're doing this. And so 12 men go in and 12 men come out, okay, with, with an understanding. I believe they were in there for, I believe it was 40 days is I think what the scripture says. So they're in there 40 days viewing the land, checking out the land. Uh, there's a whole big story behind all of it, but let's go like to verse uh, 25. <clears throat> in fact, it says it right here. It says, and they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now, these 12 men are coming back, all right? Now, they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran uh, at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. In other words, they're giving them the report of what, what they saw what they grabbed, what they found, all right, that kind of thing. And they told him and, and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. That just means a prosperous land is what that means. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, here we go. Now it's going south here, all right? Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong and its cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites uh, and the Jebusites and the Amorites, a bunch of ites, right, dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. But then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, that was the word of Caleb. Now, we obviously know that Joshua was right involved in this because as the, as the story goes on, we see both Joshua and Caleb fighting to do what God said to do. We're going to go take the land. But the other ten did not do that, all right? It says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we, all right? And they gave the children of Israel a bad report. Now, it makes it very clear, wrong, ah, not the right answer, not the right thing, all right? It's a bad report. They gave a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Wow. And all the people whom we saw in, in it are men of great stature, which you know is probably a bold-faced lie. But hang on. Here it goes. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak uh, that came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers. Here we go. In our own sight. Now, they said it right. We are like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight, which obviously was a lie because you know darn well they didn't ask anybody that. They're just assuming that that's how they see it. That must be how they, uh, you know, how they saw it, Amen, which is a farce, all right? The bottom line is this. It was all based on their own assumptions, um, based on their own thinking. The ten spies, obviously, the word says, gave an evil report. God said they were well able to go in and take the land. Joshua and Caleb agreed with that. Two of, the ten, two of the 12 spies agreed with it, amen, whereas the other 10 did not. Now, of course, what happened, because the other 10 uh, brought back the evil report, it spread throughout the camp, and then all of a sudden there was nothing but despair, uh, you know, uh, no hope, 
you know, a defeat, all right? In fact, this is kind of a defeat mentality here. Okay, hang on to that, okay? And I can't. Uh, mentality, a negative mentality, a vic- uh, we could even say a house of bondage thinking, okay? Um, that's really what's going on. The reason I say house of bondage is because Egypt was referred to as the house of bondage. And the reason I say it that way is because many times we've heard the phrases where, you know, he got the children of Israel out of Egypt, just couldn't get Egypt out of them. And that first generation, that's exactly the case. Well, the reason being is they're sitting there comparing Okay, now I'm not, we're not saying that there isn't some large statured people there. We're not saying that there isn't some, uh, some things that maybe seem fairly fortified. God wasn't denying any of that. But God was denying was the fact that, you know, you, you don't have to shut yourself down and quit. Amen. Get in there. Amen. Fight. Amen. Don't, don't be, uh, you know, defeated before you've even done anything. All right. And that's what happened. And you have to understand this was the beginning of their demise. In fact, those 10 spies end up dying, all right? So it wasn't good. It didn't turn out good for them. Now, the bottom line that I'm trying to bring out of this thing, okay, again, it comes down to a mindset, okay? They saw themselves as already defeated. They hadn't even done anything yet. All they did is go and spy out the land, but they, because of how they saw things, amen, it says we're like grasshoppers in their sight, amen, that's how they saw themselves, all right? Well, they assumed everybody else thought that way. That's not the case, we know the next generation went in there, all right? And they, that whole, uh, you know, everybody in that land was fearful of the Israelites because they knew ultimately they were going to come in there and take over the land. And so what was the difference between the first generation and the second generation that went in and actually took the promised land was just a mindset. That's all it was. Nothing really changed other than a mindset. So this first generation saw themselves as defeated. All right, as a result of it, okay, they don't go in. You know, it's like the phrase, you know, think you can, think you can't, either way you're right. And that's, that's very accurate. If you think you can't, guess what? You've already limited yourself, you locked yourself down to not be able to do something. But if you think you can, all of a sudden, well, now you, you're taking a higher thought. You're saying, all right, I'm going up here. I'm going to hang out up here, take the God thoughts, the God way of thinking, and allow him now, I mean, to move me toward fulfillment of everything I'm called to do we're designed to be, praise God. I hope you're hearing this, child of God. Amen. So, praise God. Uh, let's go to the book of Judges. Look at another group here. All right, book of Judges, right after Joshua. Okay, Judges chapter 6. And uh, let's look at this one here. And this, of course, is about Gideon. Another story about, uh, you know, somebody that had a different kind of mindset here. Gideon 6, okay, or I mean uh, Judges 6, talking about Gideon. It says, verse, uh, I'm going to do, well, I think I got like verse 12 wrote down here. It says, then the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, all right, and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, again, I want to I bring something out. Okay, everybody we're mentioning here, okay, is people, God already declared who they were or declared what they could do or what they could be, okay? So, that's what God says. It's the same thing with you and me. God says you're more than a conqueror. He says you're a world overcomer, okay? You know, we can, we can go on and on and on. You're chosen. You're accepted. You're loved. You're, uh, you, know, you're, uh, you know, you are uh, the righteousness of God. You're a new creation in Christ. We can kind of go on and on and on of all the things that God said about you. But you still have a choice of what you're going to set your mind on. You might limit yourself because you're too busy looking at your own abilities instead of God's abilities, 
You know, sometimes we have a tendency to talk to God about how big our problem is instead of talking to your problem how big your God is. Now, just a way of thinking, but you just have to understand, amen, that when you put your mind up here and set your mind on things above, you're more apt to think as you're supposed to think in him. And you're more apt to fulfill everything you're called to fulfill. Oh, hallelujah. So anyway, the angel of the Lord says, you, you're a mighty man of valor. You know, the Lord's with you. You're a mighty man of valor. But Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all these things happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites, which is a farce because if you really stop and think about it, they're, they're in the hands of the Midianites because of their own, you know, being cowards of backing down and quitting and giving up and hiding and, and just, you know, following uh, their own, uh, you know, their own thoughts, doing their own thing. And now next thing you know, all hell breaks loose, so to speak. And now the enemy's dominating. But you see nothing but excuses coming from Gideon here, all right? So says, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. He hasn't changed his mind about him. You know, you're still, what do you say here? The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. So here in verse 14, he says, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? In other words, your commission hasn't changed. You're still called to be this and do that, all right? So he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Look at that. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Of course, you know, Gideon argued at first, but again, it's based on a way of thinking. Okay, so here he is thinking, you know, all he can think about is woes me, a victim mentality, pity, excuses. Okay, now an excuse just means that which justifies or an alibi or a reason why I can't be or can't do or can't fulfill. All right, so we see Gideon here, okay, more of a problem-minded individual here, looking at all the issues, looking at the problem. Now, again, we're not making light of anybody's situation. We're not even making light of Gideon's situation because we kind of understand how this all works. You know, in the beginning, you know, maybe they did fight. Maybe they were resisting the enemy at first, but then little by little, something didn't go right, and they, they might have came at a cost, and the next thing you know, you're, you're, you're doing nothing but counting your costs, you know, and counting, you know, you're, you're looking at everything, and next thing you know, you know, you're starting to back up. You're starting to quit. You're starting to give up. Pretty soon, you're hiding. Next thing you know, you're not resisting anymore at all, and before long, you know, you just lost hope. You're intimidated by everything, so I'm not making light of anything. But I am saying this, that the idea of the enemy uh, in everything that he does to you and all the issues, the intimidation, the circumstances, situations, the idea is to get you to focus on it, focus on the problem instead of focusing on your God. Again, we don't deny the existence of problems, pressures, issues, circumstances, but we deny its right to control us. See, if you will set your mind on things above, all of a sudden the Spirit of God begins to empower you, strengthen you, show you, give you wisdom, give you counsel, steer you on the right road. So now you're on the road of life and peace instead of a road of ruin and destruction, death and despair. All right, a, a road, praise God, filled with hope versus a road that has no hope at all. All right, now the point is this, where are you going to set your mind? Well, obviously Gideon, Gideon became that mighty man of valor. He went down in history as a mighty man of valor, a man who God was with. Amen. Now, it didn't start there. 
okay, because of where his mind was, okay? But he began to move forward, as I said earlier, amen, a big shot is nothing but a little shot that just kept shooting. He, he started moving forward because God said move forward, that's what he did, and as a result of it, little by little, he gained confidence, little by little, he realized who he was, little by little, he became the man he was called to be, praise God, and goes down in history as a great hero, praise God, amen. Hallelujah. Let's look at another one here. Let's go to 2 Samuel. Amen. 2 Samuel. And I'm going to go to chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. And uh, verse, let's go to like verse 3. Now this is King David. Okay. Talking about King David. And it said, uh, and the king said, I mean, uh, 2 Samuel 9 and verse 3. Uh, then, then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness? It literally means covenant kindness, okay, kindness of God. And Ziba, one of his right-hand men, said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. Now, if you remember, Jonathan and David were in covenant with each other, all right? They, man, they were best friends, man. They did a lot of things together and were a powerhouse together, all right? So this is Jonathan, who is Saul's son, okay? There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. Okay, in other words, he, his walk's affected. Okay, now there's a reason for it. And it says, so the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said uh, to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Makur, the son of Emil, uh, in a place called Lodabar. Okay, it doesn't even sound like good. It actually is a word that means pastureless, a place of no word. It's kind of not a good place. Okay, so it's a lot of typology here. Uh, he's lame because... The reason uh, that uh, this gentleman, his, his name's Mephibosheth is his name, the reason that he's lame is because when they found out that King Saul and Jonathan were both dead in battle, they assumed David was going to come in, take over, and just kill everybody okay, of Saul's house, which was the total opposite. That was not the way David was. In fact, that's why this story is so important because it shows you the kind of covenant kindness that David had toward the family of Saul, all right, toward Jonathan, all right. And so anyway, uh, so the king said, you know, there's, uh, there's one that's, that's uh, you know, in this place called Lodabar. Uh, and it says his name was Mephibosheth, okay. Now, when Mephibosheth, the verse 6 here, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, said, here is your servant. And David said to him, do not fear for I will surely show you kindness, and there was that covenant kindness, for Jonathan your father's sake, and I will restore you, uh, restore to you all the land of, look at this, all the land of Saul your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. In other words, I'm going to give you everything that belongs to your family. It's all yours. But he says, you ain't going to need it because you're going to eat at my table every day, all right? And he bowed himself and said, what is, your, what is your servant that you should look upon, here we go, such a dead dog as I? Now, that was the mindset that Mephibosheth had about himself, okay? Well, you can imagine years gone by here, and everything has gone on. And here he thinks probably, you know, that David's finally found me. He's going to kill me now. That's probably his thought. So when he shows up there, he falls prostrate before him, thinking that David's just going to kill him, which was the total opposite. But now, 
This guy just feels because of everything that he's been involved in, living in a place like Lodabar, you know, on the backside of the tracks, you know, kind of thing, you know, living, you know, just kind of hiding out. And here he is lame. He's never been able to really walk because, uh, I guess I never finished that story, but when they found out that David was, uh, you know, they thought maybe David was going to come back and kill everybody, the, uh, the nurse grabbed the baby, which was Mephibosheth, and dropped him, and that's how he became lame. So anyway, uh, so that's what that whole story, how he became lame. Now, the point I, I mentioned that is because, you know, David's looking at him thinking, no, you're, you're the son of a man I was in covenant with. Why would I even think of hurting you? You can have all the land that belongs to your family, and I'm going to have you sit at my table, which another typology, really, if you think about it, because... I don't care about whether you're lame in your walk or not. I'm, I'm going to set you up, belly you up, praise God to the table, and you're going to eat with me. It doesn't matter. You know, your, your lame feet ain't going to matter because you're sitting up at the table, amen, with the king himself, praise God, eating uh, what he eats, praise God, and being taken care of every day of your life, praise God. I mean, quite a deal, but it, it really did, at that moment, you can see Mephibosheth didn't get it at that moment. Now, he got it later, but he didn't get it at first. He's just thinking, that, you know, I'm just a dead dog. I'm just, I'm nobody. Well, you know, when you live in that mode for a while, pretty soon it's real easy just to kind of hook up, and that's why you live, all right? But we're seeing here is more of a reproach-minded thing, feeling unworthy, shame, disgrace, okay, embarrassment, uh, uh, disrepute, okay, uh, however you want to say, you know, however you want to look at it, and, and maybe a statement to make here that, Nobody can make you feel less than without your permission, okay? Now, right now, Mephibosheth sees himself as less than. David ain't seeing that. And just, just for whatever it's worth, oh man, when you feel like you're less than and you let everybody else agree with that, okay, you have to understand you're the one that, that, you're the one that, agree, you're the one that hooked up and said, okay, and received that. You don't have to accept that. Amen. You're the righteousness of God. You're a new creation in Christ. You're, a, you're a, a child of the king, praise God. Part of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Are you hearing me? I mean, this is who you are. Amen. You are, amen, conquerors and overcomers. I mean, when you start realizing who you are, amen, instead of what the world tries to tell you or what you have maybe assumed about yourself because of maybe your past or circumstances or situations that you've gone through, child of God, you're, you're, no, you're not unworthy. You're worthy to receive all that Christ has done for you, praise God. He made a, made a way for that, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's look at one more individual before I let you go. First Chronicles, okay. Hallelujah. First Chronicles chapter 4, please. Now, this is a gentleman that kind of did the opposite, okay. I thought I'd better at least get a, a good one in there, right? Okay. Now, Jabez, I'm in 1 Chronicles 4, 9. Now, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his, mother might, uh, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. And I mean, that's his, actually what his name means, okay? One uh, who, uh, con- who, who makes pain or creates pain. That's what his name Jabez means. Now, Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that my... Pardon me, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me 
and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. In other words, no matter what my name is, I'm going to listen to what you have to say. I'm going to hook up to what you think about me, praise God. So God granted him what he had requested. In other words, he became exactly what God thought of him, amen, not what somebody else thought about him, amen. And again, what we see here maybe is kind of the opposite. This man, even though he was raised, okay, being everywhere he went, he was called the one who causes pain. Every time they heard, he heard the name Jabez, he heard the one who causes pain, the one who creates pain, that makes trouble. Everywhere he goes, there's nothing but trouble, all right? But he sees the opposite. He didn't want to believe that. He didn't want to accept that, praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Simple truth here, okay? Hallelujah. Our lives are based on our decisions, not based on our conditions, all right? If you don't let the conditions dictate, amen, but yet make a decision to set your mind on things above, amen, I guarantee you, you'll become all that God's called you to be. Child of God, you are not your history. You are not your past. You are not your mistake. You are who God says you are. Amen. And you have to set your mind on what he says about you and not what somebody else says about you or not what you, you know, based on comparisons and some of the things we've heard about in this message, all those things that somehow cause us to look down on ourselves. All right. You set your mind on higher things and not on things of this earth. And I guarantee you, you'll begin, amen, to become all that you're called to be. It'll put you on the road of life and peace. And as a result of it, praise God, you'll accomplish all that you're called to accomplish. Now, again, a lot said in a short time. I hope you got something today. Praise God. We'll just keep every week diving into this a little deeper. Praise God. But my heart today was just the fact, amen, that you start recognizing, amen, who God has made you to be. Amen. Set your mind on that. Set your mind on higher things. Amen. As a man thinks, so he exists or so he becomes. Amen. So just, just purpose, amen, to make the choice. Amen. I'm going to think about me the way God thinks about me. Praise God. Amen. Father, I give you praise and glory. I'm thankful for a people of God that had an ear to hear and a heart to receive. And again, God, we're thankful. Praise God for your word. Hallelujah. What it has to say about who we are. And for that, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Child of God, I call you blessed. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WOVictory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.